Welcome to Fat Muscle Project, your home for building your best physique. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fat Muscle Project podcast. I'm John Gorman, your host. We've got Team Berkland, Brian Berkland in the house. Brian, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me. Man, this is going to be a good show. This is something I've been wanting to do for quite a while on all my podcasts that I've hosted before over on Elite Physique University. We're going to do one later on this month, but I've wanted to have someone that's a show promoter, but also an athlete and a coach kind of a three-prong approach, someone that's been in the trenches with either their athletes or they promote their own show, or you've done a multitudes of shows, either as an amateur or as a pro, to come on to kind of help people understand, here are the things that I can expect to happen when I do a show. Because as we both know as coaches, we have a lot of people that they get really nervous for their first show or their second show. And some people don't have a coach or they just don't know what to expect. So I thought, you know what? This is going to be something where we can really throw out a lot of value out to people and help them understand, hey, here are the things either I've messed up on or I've seen that people need to do better as a show promoter. So let me let me introduce our people to you real quick. If you would tell people a little bit more about you as a bodybuilder, first of all, let's start there because that's kind of the base of all of us, right? Like we're all yeah, bodybuilders. Yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about your bodybuilding journey. So I, I started competing in uh, uh, 2008, 2009. Um, as a, obviously as an amateur, um, then went through many preps, uh, before I turned pro finally took me, I think I went through three or four preps, um, turned pro in 2015 after 10, 12 shows. But you remember things were, things were a lot different back then. I mean, we'd go yeah. to body shows and there'd be, you know, high, three height classes with 10, 12 guys in each one. It was, it was, uh, it was tough back then. Um, so yeah, I earned my pro card back in 2015. Brian Alstrom was coaching me back then. Um, he had since retired. Uh, 2019, hired Peter Fitchin, uh, coached me, um, competed four times as a pro, did fairly well. I won one, one of those pro shows, runner up in the other three. Um, so yeah, I had a, a pretty successful run there as a pro. Um, that was my last competition season was in 2019. I'm not sure when I'm going to come back yet. You know, whenever life is in a good spot for me to devote six months of my life to, to diet and be, be miserable there for a little bit. So got to wait to see what's going on with my fiance and make sure she signs off on that as well. So. Yeah. And that's, that's a whole podcast in and of itself is when is the right time to prep. Right. And that's where guys like you would be perfect to to be on a podcast for that. When did you start? Well, first of all, I'm I'm curious, what pro shows um, have you done? So my first pro show was um, the OCB pine tree, um, pine tree state, they call it in in Maine. Um, And then a week later I competed in uh, NGA, Kentucky. Um, I won that one. I think it was two weeks later, I did another NGA show in uh, Illinois. Um, and then I did the IFPA or the IPE, uh, North American Pro here in Minnesota, um, Aaron Callister's show. Um, and I was running up there as well. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a really tall frame, um, really, really hard to pack on muscle. And you've done a hell of a job doing that. So it's, I, I've always liked kind of following your journey. I remember the first time I met you, we didn't really know each other, but I think we were in peoria for a show or somewhere and i looked back behind me maybe it was omaha you're eating out of your tupperware and i had said something like dude you got every single little tiny bite and scrape out of that bowl i was like you know you're lean when you're scraping that bowl like that and you just kind of laughed about it you probably don't remember you were so hungry and now i remember that now it was in, it was uh nmbf iowa 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it was. It was good times, I was, man. I was miserable. Yeah, yeah, you were in that. I with a bunch of clients, you know, I had a bunch of people competed, and you know, I, in between classes, I was getting my steps, and it, yeah, it was. It's you know how it is, man. You're lean. It, it sucks, man. Yeah, it it, it hurts. <laughs> let's right. let's talk about um, coaching. So, when did you start coaching, real quick, and then we'll talk about the shows that you promote. So I started coaching, um, you know, 2008, 2009, working with people as long as I was uh, when I started bodybuilding. Um, I didn't really start charging any money or, or doing it as a, as a source of income until you know, 2013. Um, and then, you know, things snowballed. And, and 2019 is when I, I pretty much been doing this full time uh, since 2019. So I'm very, very fortunate. Um, I never imagined um, having this type of job growing up as a child, obviously. But, uh, man, I can't imagine my life any different now. It's uh, the best job ever, man. I love it. Super fun. Uh, very rewarding. Working with a lot of uh, awesome people from all over the country and meeting different personalities, different types of people, different walks of life. And, you know, that all generally have the same goal of uh, health, fitness and, and helping people get to the stage and be successful. It's a lot of fun to have a hand in that. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as some people know, most people know by now, um, you're a fat muscle sponsor coach. And, and when we had talked, you know, we're just very fortunate to have somebody that's got a track record like yours, but also people that are good human beings, because we know in the coaching world, like there's a lot of good people, but man, it only takes a few to kind of give it a black eye. And, and, um, you represent one of the good coaches out there. You had mentioned Brian Alstrom earlier, kind of throwing it back. I remember when it was me, Cliff, Brian, all going head to head, like you know, 2010, 2015, but it was a good thing, man. Like that was, it was a good thing. And I just remember Brian, he was one of the good guys. Pete's one of the good guys. You're one of the good guys. So it, it's nice to have good coaches around. And if you're a, a competitor listening and you're looking for a coach, make sure that you find a coach with a good track record, first of all. And we're, we're not going to make this podcast about that, but they're just, man, there's a lot of people out there. The more coaches we have now, there are a lot that can kind of be able to black guys. So let's talk about, um, Let's talk about the shows that you're promoting. Um, you've got one coming up. I'm going to put the link to all these um, in the show notes, especially this one coming up. But man, you got a handful promoting shows. When did you start promoting? So 2019 was our first year. Um, I, my partner, uh, Mike Allen, is another nat natural pro bodybuilder, uh, tall frame guy, big dude, you know, really good bodybuilder as well. Um, but yeah, we started in 2019 with the natural biking here in Minneapolis, um, started branching out. Um, into his home state in, in North Dakota. We put a show up in Fargo. Um, good friends with a, a buddy, Austin Kiergaard. I, I don't know if you know, I think you know, you should know him as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's from South Dakota in Sioux Falls. So we put a show out there. Um, we went up putting a show down in Iowa and Des Moines. Um, and then we added another show here in Minneapolis this spring, the Los Campiones National Cup. Man, you've got your hands full, but you love it. Um, Absolutely. This next, so what's the first show coming up? What's your very first one? That's the one I want to link in the show notes. And what's the date of that? April 8th, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Los Campiones Natural Cup. Okay. So we're going to be about what, three weeks out from that or something so close. So I, I, we're recording this pod. I'm going to drop this podcast tomorrow. So that way we can get it out to people. Cool. So if you guys are listening, check out the show notes if you want to look for a good show to do. Um, and what city is that in? Minneapolis. Okay. Minneapolis. Sweet, man. I've got some clients that are ready a little bit earlier. I'm going to tell them about that. Um, they're actually looking for shows right now. Um, and I think that's important. And we'll, we'll touch a little bit on that here in a little bit. So let's talk about, um, registering for a show since we're kind of starting out there, when should people register for a show? I know a lot of times we get people, especially when they're new, I know myself as a coach, they're like, 
five months out, they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm registered for the show. I'm like, Whoa, slow down. Like, why'd you register for the show already? Like things happen, you know, you, you can get an injury, you know, a car can break down, like life happens as a coach. What do you, I want you to answer this two ways. First of all, as a coach, what do you like to tell your, your competitors? Hey, I want you to start looking for a show now, or, or how do you do it? So, uh, looking for a show, I think I, I kind of tend to like to, you know, prep people more for the season, you know, yeah. get ready for the season. We kind of, once we're ready, we kind of find some shows. I mean, not everybody works like that, right? A lot of people find a show and that's the one they want to do. Right. Uh, but it's nice if you can, as a coach, if we can get them to um, just chase a look. And once we're getting close to the look, then we start to find where we can compete. Yes. Um, however, I mean, with, with registrations, I kind of think, say the same thing. But like you said, life can happen, right? I mean, people are like, when should I sign up? Should I sign up now? You're five months out. I mean, you know, a lot of folks are may just be starting their prep or or get, getting ready to start their prep. Um, I, I'm not one to say it to tell people to sign up so early. Oftentimes, there's a lot of advantages of saving some money with early registration type of things. So that could be something you could talk about. Maybe where you kind of weigh what's going to be more important to you. You want to save 50 bucks now or or wait. And who knows, maybe maybe you're not ready for that show. Maybe you're yeah. ready early. You end up competing in a couple other shows and and or maybe if someone's wedding comes up or a birthday, I don't know, something with your family, lots of stuff can come up, right? So it's hard to really predict that. So you kind of just weigh what's going to be more important to you. Um, but there's always like waiting to register to the last minute. I'm kind of myself personally, I'm kind of one of those folks that wait until I'm a couple weeks out. And then I know like I'm going to be there. I'm going to go, especially if you're traveling, because um, if you're traveling, that that involves a lot more, right? I mean, now we got to think about hotels, or are you going to drive, or are you going to fly? Now you got to purchase airfare. You know, again, what if something comes up and it's four months out, and now you realize you can't do this show? You know, so and a lot, oftentimes a lot of entry fees aren't refundable, so that's another thing to consider um, before you're you're you know signing up for all these shows. And and oftentimes, like you said, new people love to sign up really early, and new people then are eligible for a lot more categories, right? You have the, the many debut divisions. Um, novice, open, masters, there's all types of different categories now, um, team divisions. So some people could drop, you know, four, five, six hundred bucks just on entry fees. And then to later find out that, you know, maybe you're not going to do this show. And then, you know, yeah. to your mind, it may be difficult there. So I kind of tend to tell people to wait, wait a little bit. I, I'm with you, dude. Everything you said, I'm with you 100%. I, if I had to tell someone, hey, this is when I would sign up, I'd say at the earliest four weeks, because most people can ask off work four weeks in advance. You know, you're in, and you're probably just looking for asking a Friday off to travel for most people. Um, you know, you really brought up an interesting point with with the cutoffs and stuff like that. I think most shows probably have, and and people need to understand the non refundable portion because. If you sign up and then you try and like get a refund real close to the show, like I do a lot of conferences the same way. We don't do refunds close to the event because we've already purchased everything for you. You've already gotten bags to give out to you and awards and all this stuff. So like, that's just part of business folks. Like there, there's nothing wrong with that. Like people have to protect um, their business. Is there anything else that you want to let people know about like registration and timeframes or anything like that? So something cool that we do with, uh, we kind of, for other shows we promote, we do tiered registrations, you know, three months out registrations are significantly cheaper. And as we get in closer, registrations start to go up. Um, so we do have like three different tiers uh, for registrations as it gets closer to the show date. I like uh, that. We, do, we, we don't offer a refund, but we do offer to transfer your entry to another show that we promote. Uh, yeah. One of those five events that we have. And we've had many people take advantage of that. So that's kind of cool. So at least we, you know, from a promoter standpoint, 
you know, again, it, it is a business, right? So when we, we do keep our, our a little bit of our revenue there, but we can kick that can down the road a little bit and still give that person an opportunity to then compete at another one of our events. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's just good. That's, that takes care of people. And I think people can understand that you brought up something. I don't have it on the show notes, but I know myself as a coach, when I have someone that's competing, whether they're first time or if they've done plenty of shows, but they've never won a class, people always ask me, Hey, which categories should I get into? And which, you know, not just categories, but within the category. So like novice open, sometimes masters, if you're 35 and over or 40 and over, whatever, it depends on the organization that you're in. Um, I tend to tell my people that haven't won a class. I'm like, do everyone that you can afford to do and get as much experience and as get as much sizzle out of that steak and taste out of that steak that you can, because while you're leaning on stage, you want to be able to get as much out of that as you can. Um, and, a, and a lot of people think that promoters are just out for the money. I don't see it that way at all. I see, sure, it's money, but I see it for the athlete. You're much better off doing as many as you can. And some people can even cross over because when you're super new, sometimes you're, especially in natural bodybuilding, you're, you're a tweener, like you're a, you're a classic guy or you're a men's physique guy, possibly, you know, or bikini, or I mean, figure and, and, um, you know, now there's, you know, there's going to be wellness in there. There's, they can do women's bodybuilding. What's not really around women's physique. A lot of figure girls can do women's physique on the amateur level. I'm okay with that kind of stuff. I think people should get as much experience as they can. Um, what are you seeing on your end as a coach? What do you like to recommend? And then anything you want to add as a show promoter? So, I mean, as a coach, I, I feel the same. Uh, I, I tell people, you know, you have the beginner category. You're only a beginner once. Um, then you can go into the novice. You're only a novice, depending upon the organization. You're only a novice until you win a class of three, four, or five, depending upon what organization you're competing in. And then you compete in the open. Once you win a pro card, which there's a lot of pro cards available nowadays, now your options are severely limited. You know, last time I competed as a pro, I had to, I lived in Minnesota. I traveled to Maine, Kentucky, Illinois. Um, and then I had one event that I could compete in Minnesota. Um, so I had to travel all over the place and I can only compete in one class. So my thing is, is compete, as long as you're, you're lean and you're there, take it much, get as much out of it as you possibly can, because it's not going to be there long. Have as much fun as you possibly can, because again, you're only a beginner once. You're only a novice until you're not. You're only an amateur until you're not. And now you're you're, you know, competing as a pro. You're gonna your opportunities are severely limited. And you're just gonna have to travel all over to find find those opportunities. And even then, you only you go and compete, and you, you got one class. You don't get there is no other opportunities for these other ones. And as a promoter, I mean, I, I kind of say the same thing. I don't. I I hate feeling like a salesman and trying to feel like I'm selling people. But it's the same thing as a coach. I just tell people, you I mean, you're only a beginner once, you're only a novice until you're not, and you're only an amateur until you're not. And then your opportunities are very limited beyond that. Yeah. And that's that's one thing. I think those of us that, that have gotten to know you, you're not a salesman. You're the last person that's going to be a salesman. You're just a straight to the point, what's best for this person type thing, whether it's as a show promoter or a coach. And, and I, re, I like that. I respect that. Nothing wrong with people being salesmen, but it's just not. It, it, I, I like your approach here. Let's let's start to talk about, and by the way, if you're a professional bodybuilder and you've done 10 shows, this show is still going to help you because we're going to really get pretty granular on some of this stuff. Um, so hang with us. Don't, don't tune out because we've talked a lot about beginners. We're going to really get down into this. Let's start talking about the little things that can make a big difference. I know myself as a coach, 
I usually attend as many as I can every single year. And I've done that for like 15 years because I feel like being a coach at the shows helps my clients place better because I can control the little bitty things that can become stressful things or make a difference. Let's talk about tanning. So we've got a lot of people that don't know and they're new and they try to do their own tan. And then these days I just tell my people, Hey, listen, just use the event tanners. And we'll talk about the bodybuilding category, which these days seems to be the smallest where you can use like um, different applications yourself. But let's, let's talk about for most people, self tanning versus event tanning. What do you like to recommend as a coach? You know, I'm kind of the same. I like to be at as many shows as possible. And I like to, I, you know, I've tanned, I don't know, hundreds of people, men and women. I, you know, I don't really care. Um, right. If I have the opportunity, I like to control that because I can guarantee it's going to be, I, I can guarantee my work, right? There's sometimes you go to some shows and if I don't know the tanner, I'm scared. As a coach, I'm a little nervous because I don't know. Um, but I mean, at the end of it, if you do, do use the sponsor tanner, um, you're going to look like everybody else. So, yeah. You know, we're, we're likely not going to be worse. It's likely not going to be a, a bad thing. Um, I think skin prep is very important. I think a lot of people don't uh, do enough skin prep leading up to a show, um, especially if you're somebody that has a, I mean, a man, I had a kid a, a long time ago, showed up straight from work. He was a line cook, came straight from work to meet me at the hotel so I could tan him up for a show. And I'm like, oh, shit. Shower, you're just sweaty and greasy, man. I mean, <laughs> The pan's not going to stick on you, bro. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, I, I mean, it, the worst case, especially for a woman, I mean, if you're doing bikini, a lot of bikini gals aren't going to be doing, aren't going to be having uh, other people tan them. Um, so at worst case, you, you're going to look like everybody else. Um, and generally, I think, I kind of feel like, especially with the date with social media now, if, if you're a bad, if your tans don't look good, people are going to talk about it really quick. Yeah. And a, a promoter like myself is going to find a different tanner because the last thing I want is seeing a bunch of people sweating and just dripping and bad tans, pale, pale tans. And because then people are going to complain to me about it. You know? Right. I, I want to make sure everything from my standpoint as a promoter, I want to do as best as I can for these folks as well. Cause I know a lot of my clients are using these, these uh, sponsor tanners as well. Um, then again, with bodybuilding, um, I think if, uh, if you're not doing a, a self tanner, um, you should do a, a, obviously do the sponsor tanner, but like, you know, bodybuilding, we can do dream tan. Yeah. I think dream tan, uh, just absolutely incredible. If you're, if you're in a class and you could look great, but you're kind of pale and, and don't really have a lot of color and, and you don't really have a lot of glaze and there's someone next to you with dream tan and they're pretty good. It's going to be hard to stand next to them because that yep. dream tan is just absolutely incredible for bodybuilders. It is amazing. Especially if you already have really dark skin <clears throat> or a really dark base just a little bit of dream tan is just incredible under those hot lights. So I definitely advise that. Um, if you have somebody there that can help you put that stuff on, um, again, it's, it's a mess though. The stuff's nasty, right? I mean, it's just an oil base. So I think as a promoter now, I, I you know, I, you gotta please be careful with that dream tan and not right. be wiping it off. Over. Um, and then myself as a coach, um, Man, I've, I've yelled at some young people backstage, seeing them just slapping the stuff around. Because, man, I mean, you're going to eventually, that promoter is going to say, we're not allowing that here anymore. Yep. That hurts me as a coach because it hurts my clients. I want my clients to be able to use Dream Tan when and where I can. Um, so I think it's extremely important for us all um, to be very, very cautious with that stuff and be very respectful when, when you are using Dream Tan. So, but it is great. This stuff's absolutely incredible. 
Yeah, a lot of people that do NPC shows, it's it's banned in the NPC. And that's that's not because of the look. That's because the shit gets everywhere. And they just banned it pretty much across the board. Most natural organizations, it's pretty much a standard for guys that are going to do bodybuilding, for example, or women bodybuilders. So, yeah, it's pretty standard. I have put so much of that stuff on. Um, and it, you're right. It makes a huge difference, especially the bronze one. Um, not, a, not a big fan of the gold one. Seems like oh, some... Uh, some darker skin black guys that I know look really good with the gold, like a Marshall Johnson looks really good with gold. Yeah. Yep. Meshack. Exactly. Um, right. but you've got to have it put on, right. I've seen people that look like they just rolled around in mud when they walk down on stage. Like you've got to really apply it. Right. Well, another thing too, is, is we know there's, there's some folks out there that don't like dream tan. Uh, so you're going to go into some organizations and knowing that if you know that, that those there's certain yeah. judges that don't like it. You don't want to be have that stuff caked on you. Like there's, I personally don't really care for that look either. When it's just like you got just dipped in a bat of gold and pulled out of it. That's a, it's a little it's a little much for me. I tend to do less is more. Um, yeah. Have a really dark base and then do a light coat on top. I think that's just what what looks best for me. Um, but again, a lot of guys are going to try to put a lot of it on. But you got to be careful with who you're going in front of because there's some judges that just do not like it. And per, I. I I kind of think that that's uh, it's kind of going off on a little something else, but I don't really think that they, your personal opinion on the tanning product shouldn't affect someone's placing. But I mean, we know I've seen it happen, um, even though I, I don't really think it shouldn't. So I think it's important to be careful with that and not use, uh, not overuse and use so much of it where, where it's just kind of obnoxious. Right. I mean, I, and I look, I want to show uh, wearing that stuff like that when I had so much dream tan on me, hey, you know, it looks great under the lights, but I think, you know, we got to remember that, think about your audience there might be some people that don't really like it and you're kind of you know you got to be careful what you're putting yourself into right yeah i've got a couple other notes here just just so we didn't miss them um there's things that go with tanning day of the show that we want to make sure that people don't miss out on so if you're going to use the event tanners obviously females especially they're going to glue and glaze you and, and and tighten you up and make sure you're good I always tell my clients, make sure you have that stuff done and you're not waiting in a long line and they're calling your name. Like you need to pay really close attention to backstage and listen to your event tanners. If not, have a backup and glue yourself. I always, 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 if I'm at a show, I put the glaze on myself. Like I, it, it's nothing against event tanners. They try and do their job, but they're trying to do a hundred people and they're trying to hurry up and get them out there to the stage. I take my time. Um, there's all kinds of different glaze that people can use. I'm old school. I spray a little Pam on somebody in the key areas and I take a towel and I just dab it in. So they have a light sheen and I'm just really good at it. Most people are going to, they're going to fuck up Pam and they're going to look like they're a, like a glazed donut walking out there. You don't want that much. Um, do you do the glaze yourself? Do you take care of that? Or do you let the event tanners? What, what's your process on that? If I'm there, I like to have my hand on as, as many of those small details Me as I too. possibly can. Just Me too. I can guarantee my work, right? And the last thing I want to see is one of my clients walking out on stage and you're like, no, yep. yeah, too much or not enough, right? So it's, I think it's very important for me. Um, generally, my fiance is a big bikini competitor, so she's generally with me in a lot of those situations. So she's able to help out. Perfect. Well. Um, but again, yeah, you know, if, if, you're, if, if I'm not there or my fiance is not there, if your coach isn't there, if you're all by yourself, I think it's very important to get ahead on that stuff because – the last thing you want to be doing is rushing, you know, and oftentimes sometimes shows can be, you know, maybe classes get moved around and, and things get shifted around and now you're up real quick and you weren't, maybe you weren't paying attention. So I think it's very important to uh, do those things ahead of time, especially with the suit, the glue on your suit. And, and from a, 
I've judged many shows too. And I think that's very important to have that glue on that suit. Cause you know, as, as a woman, you're moving around, that suit starts to inch in a little bit. And as a judge, we're kind of, it's a family event here, right? I mean, we want, we're, we're, the last thing I want is, is having, hearing comments from someone back there making, uh, uh, you know, negative comments about the women on stage. It's extremely important for me to, to eliminate as much of that as possible. So having those suits glued down nice and tight is, 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 uh, is very good, very important to do ahead of time. Um, and knowing, I think it's important if you're backstage knowing um, the order of events and knowing where things are at, paying attention to those expediters moving around, knowing who's on stage, who's on deck. So you can try to get an idea of where, where you are in your class. If you have a coach back there, they should be helping you out with that. So you can just kick back and relax and be stress-free and not think about anything except, you know, when you got blinders on, you focus on yourself and what you need to do. But if no one's there to help you out, um, it's very important to stay on top of that stuff. If you can, if you don't have a coach there, I think it's good to, to bring a friend or a family member backstage with you so they can handle a lot of that stuff. They could go get you more water. They could, you know, do whatever for you so you can just kick back and relax and be stress-free. You know, you, you, you took us right into our next area and that's to talk about the expediters list of classes and stuff like that. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go right to that. The last thing I wanted to add about tanning is I would say generally most of the time when I've seen people do their own tan competitors, not, not with a coach, people that do their own tan, they're almost always never dark enough. They, they either do a spray tan back home and then they drive to the event or they think that they're dark enough in the hotel room where there's not a lot of bright lights and they put a coat on. It's like, Oh man, this looks good. And they almost 99% of the time come out, not dark enough. And I've just seen that as a coach. So if you're going to do it yourself, which, you know, if you want to use a coach, like, like Brian said, great, make sure you got enough on like, and the more coach you put on, you you need to, you're going to look like you're black in your hotel room, but you get out under the bright lights, you're probably going to be about right. So that the last thing I just want to say about that, you took us right into the expediters list of classes. To me, as a coach, I try and eliminate as much stress the day of the show as I can for people. Um, let's talk about that because a lot of shows have good expediters. You know, I would say nine out of ten shows, you're gonna have an expediter that's on it. I always tell people, make sure you see the list of classes on the wall, you know, when the show's starting. And you're paying real close attention to that if you don't have a coach doing it for you. Because if you have a coach, like I, that's what I do, man. I'm like paying super close attention to how many classes are going in front of them and how fast those classes are going. Any advice that you can give to people as far as, or, or your clients, for example, what do you do? I try and have my folks ready and pumping at least three to four classes before just in an amateur show, right? Because pro shows seem to go like a lot, like your, your classes go a lot longer. What do you like to generally recommend? And what's some advice you can give to people so they can not stress out? Yeah, I'm the kind of the same, start pumping up about 30, 30, 40 minutes out. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather be a little early than a little late. You know, the last thing you want to do is, especially for, for me, I feel like I'm twice the size I am when I have a pump. I would, I would not want to be on stage without a pump. So I'd rather be, I'd rather be a little, a little early on that. Uh, but again, yeah, yeah, eliminating stress, I think is extremely important. If you can have somebody there, like we just said a few minutes ago, that would definitely help out just so someone can uh, take care of a lot of those little things for you. But really knowing where classes are at, knowing where the, the order and the flow of the show, man, I'm, I was a, a year, year and a half, two years ago, I think, there was a pro bodybuilder um, here in Minnesota competing at a, at a pro show. And he like took off somewhere and went and hid somewhere right I mean I think a lot of us like to do that go find our own little spot but nobody was there paying attention where the classes were 
he comes walking out after prejudging was already done for, for his bodybuilding class. He would have won the show. I mean, had he been out there, he was, the dude's incredible. But, you know, because you're not paying attention, you get over, you're gone, man. I mean, they're not going to start over because you weren't there. You know, you got to be where you need to be. Um, so I think that's very important to pay attention. Uh, but if you really can have somebody to help, help you be there to eliminate that stress, because you don't want to be getting up, running back and forth, um, trying to figure it out for yourself. If you have to, you, you got to do what you got to do if you're there alone. Uh, but really stay on top of that stuff and knowing where the order of events are and really paying attention, talking to that expediter. Um, I generally, uh, I know a lot of shows that are local. I know a lot of the expediters, but um, if I'm at an out of show out of state, I go up and introduce myself to the expediter because I'm going to talk to that person a lot, you know, and I, you know, I'm running back and forth. I was trying to make sure. And, and I want to know if, because at times, you know, like I said, they, they can, they can move some classes around and, and do this class instead of this one or, or have the transformation category come out because of whatever reason, you know, things are moving around. So I want to know that stuff, right? And I talk to them if things are moving around, let me know um, so I can stay on top of things with my people. But yeah, I try to do that as much as possible just so everyone else doesn't have to worry about it. So they can just relax. I I usually am the same way, man. I become pretty close with the expediter because he knows I'm going to be bugging the shit out of him. But it's in a good way. And a good expediter realizes when you have a coach that's on it they're keeping their team ready so he he's not out there alert he's not out there hauling their name looking for somebody you know what i mean like you've already got them ready because you don't want them to be late i i do want to talk about the the differences in formats that we have these days um because now we have running show formats and then we have a morning show and a night show format you have to really the shows that I will tell people they need to really be ready for NPC shows are almost always morning and night show, and they tend to run pretty fast in the morning. So I remember when Leslie did her qualifier before she did Masters Nationals, she went on to win her IFBB Pro Card and figure she did a, a state level NPC show. And they would bring the classes out and they would turn them once and off the stage. And that's how fast they were judging them. And I know the judging panel and they did a phenomenal job and they had some of the people from the IFBB head judging and they just ran it super, super fast. The problem was it was running so fast. It actually outran the expediter's ability to get the people backstage ready because it was such a big show. So I remember Leslie and Leslie has I mean, she's competed as a pro and the, and the natural orgs and she did all that. She wanted to try some NPC stuff and, you know, she was, she was used to like, you get plenty of time and she's such a pro that I remember this was 2017 or 18. They were, they were like reached back there and grabbed her. They said, you are on stage right now. And by the way, the, all the girls in their class, like we're not ready. I was putting Pam on her because we, we thought we had 30 minutes. I had one half of her body panned, like one shoulder, one side of her oblique and her abs, right? <laughs> no glutes, no legs. And she looked at me with her and her eyes just got real big. And I said, you're a pro, go show them. And she immediately just went out there like a machine and she posed perfect. And she ended up winning that class and she was in the overall and all these different things. But- most people, they shit themselves, and, and and rightfully so, by the way, because now you have to go out and you're already nervous anyway. So my point is pay super close attention to those morning and night shows, especially NPC shows, because they're not going to generally run as long to me as what the natural feds seem to take their time a little bit more. And I think that has to do with the running format. What format are you guys doing uh, over in your shows? Yeah, we do all the run all the running formats. We do Ex so explain that for folks if you would, so they know going in. I guess everyone's running format, I guess, is a little bit different. I've seen okay many, many ways to do this. 
Um, the way we do it is we, we're like, we'll start off with the day with bodybuildings first. Um, we'll judge, we'll do all the pre-judging for all the bodybuilding classes. We'll do the routines for the bodybuilding and then we'll do the awards for the bodybuilding and then yeah. they're done. So the bodybuilders will be done at our show. Show starts at 1030. They'll probably be done by, you know, 1115 done for the day. That seems to be the most popular format going in the natural yeah. works. I love Can you it. Imagine back in the day, if we were able to do that, dude, I remember staying at shows like 1130 at night. My, my kids are asleep. My family left. I'm in the kitchen eating by myself in the dark at the end of the night, you know, right. eat brownies all by myself. It's so, <laughs> great. Um, so it's super nice the way we have it now. I, I really like that. Not having to wait around and sitting around in your dirty clothes you've been wearing for three days because you're covered in tan. Yeah. Yeah. The running format is it's fantastic. I really like it. Yeah, I do too. And you know what? As a coach, I also like it because it's a hell of a lot easier to peak somebody for one shot on the stage, one or two quick shots within an hour versus morning and night. And you're trying to like hold that conditioning and fullness. And, you know, it, sometimes it's cool to be able to make improvements for the night. Like, I don't mind that, but man, I like for people just to not have to stress and they can go be with their families right after they're done at 1130, for example. So yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge, huge advocate of that. Um, I, I want to bring up you, you had mentioned, and this is also not in the show notes. I started typing it in because you bring up so many good points. Let's talk about having those blinders on. Okay. And I, I've got a story to tell, but you go ahead and, and talk to people about, especially when they're new about having blinders on, because you know how it is, man, when you're new, everybody looks good with a tan on and they start to pump and drink a little bit of fluids and you see a vein or two and you're already starting to stare over in the wrong direction. Right. So can, do you have any stories about blinders on for yourself or, or what do you absolutely, do as a coach? Yeah, go, go ahead. Because this is important. My, my, uh, the first show I ever did, I'm, I'm, you know, laying backstage, got my feet up against the wall. Like we all used to do. Right. And I'm looking around, just laying there, you know, listening to my music. And I see this guy walking towards me and he's the leanest guy I've ever seen in my life. Just yeah. shred, you know, and I'm like, holy shit, that guy's ripped, you know. I'm like, thank God I don't have to compete against him because I'm in the tall class, he's in the short, and then I get to compete against him in the overall, right? And the guy beats me, and oh, he's shredded, look, looked awesome. But it's funny, like you're backstage, or and then here's another funny story: Carl Seaver, uh, great bodybuilder, great yes, bodybuilder. great bodybuilder, um, good friend of mine too. He and I did our first show together, and uh, we're backstage, like we're just mean mugging each other, staring each other down. Like both of us have been involved in sports our whole life. You know, we're looking at each other like we're the competition. All our pitchers were standing next to each other, just angry looking like we're going to fight each other or something, yeah. you know? Both of us just look like assholes, right? Just angry. <laughs> I mean, then, then you think about it like, I, I I lost a lot of joy and a lot of fun from that show, right? I mean, it's cool now, Carl and I are friends. The guy who beat me, uh, Jeff Mel. Um, I actually ended up coaching him a couple of times for a few, for a few preps, which is super cool, full circle thing for me. But yeah, man, I mean, we were looking around backstage, everyone's in good shape. Right? Yeah. What I always tell people too, is people be like, Oh my gosh, that guy looks crazy. That guy looks crazy. I'm like, man, you don't think people are looking at you thinking the same thing. Yeah. You know, wait, wait till you start pumping up and everyone's staring at you like, Oh shit. Oh, here's another one. When we were in uh, Peoria, Illinois, no, sorry, this was in Kentucky. Um, Nick Erickson and I, I don't, do you know Nick Erickson? Uh-uh, no. He's one of Pete's clients, but we we actually drove to Kentucky. We competed together. We drove there together to compete with each other, but we were both coached by by Pete. Um, gosh, I feel bad. I can't remember. I can't remember his other client's name. Damn it. But Pete had another guy. So we're all sitting in the lobby, uh, Pete, uh, Nick, and I, 
And Pete shows us a picture of his other client. He's like, because, you know, Pete, we're just bullshitting, talking about our clients, talking all this stuff. Pete shows us, and Nick and I look at each other like, well, I guess we're fighting for second place. You, know, <laughs> you don't know. He looks great, right? Right. But, I mean, then, then we're backstage, and we see another guy strips down, shredded glutes, and we're like, oh, shit. Well, I guess we're fighting for third. We're already putting ourselves down the podium because we're just checking people out, you know, looking at them, just, you know, thinking about how everybody's going to do, right? And then Nick and I ended up being one and two. Yeah. Everybody looks good backstage, man. You can't just look at somebody and then start thinking, oh, it's over for me. You know, you don't you don't know until you guys are standing next to each other, man. And you got to think like, they're looking at you too, man. You look really good as well. Yeah. I, I like to take advantage of that as a coach, actually, because I keep my people with blinders on. But I've got real quick two stories that their listeners are going to get a lot of value out of. And they both revolve around a guy named Matt Holcomb. So the first one is back in 2011, he was going for his pro card in St. Louis and he had Alstrom clients there. He had Joe, uh, Joe Klimzewski's clients there, Lane's clients there, me and Cliff, like it, it was like a ton, right? And we all had really good bodybuilders in this class that at the time was called one of the best bodybuilding classes, amateur ever. And all, all five people went on to win pro cards, like within that year. And we were all amateur backstage. And I remember I'm not going to say who the guy's name is because Matt beat him, but I'll give you an example. He's He was walking out of the elevator. He's coached by Dr. Joe, and he was eating a small pizza. And you know what happens when you eat pizza and you start drinking fluids and you're lean as hell. Dude, you just got veins going everywhere. Well, the guy was in his 40s anyway, so he already had mature muscle. He's already vascular as hell. You know, Matt's like 32 or something at the time. He just looks like a freak show, like freak show. And he's backstage pumping up and everybody's staring at him and it's getting into Matt's head a little bit. And I was like, well, he had to go do a master's class first. And I grabbed Matt and I said, come here, let me show you something. And this guy's posing was not good at all. Not good at all. And I told Matt, I was like, dude, you got him on symmetry and your posing is perfect. I'm like, this is the exact reason why you don't stare at people backstage because everybody looks good when they start having salt and water and all that. Sure enough, he went out there and he beat him. And that was always, and I was a young coach at the time, 2011. That was always something that I, I started making sure all my clients were paying attention. But later on, I would use that to my advantage with Matt. So Matt was one of those people, you know, fast forward to like 2017, um, he did some NPC shows and you, most people aren't drinking water there, right? So like they're trying to pump and they're not getting as vascular as possible. And I, th Matt's got two gallons of water in him at this time. It's salt. And he's drinking a hundred carbs during his pump up like crazy shit. And everybody's staring at him. And I said, and I told him that story. I was like, you've already got into people's head. And he went out and he won his class and he just looked like a freak show out there. So it can work to your advantage too, but just make sure you don't pay super close attention. I, I like stories like that because I think as coaches, man, we can kind of pass that on to our competitors because we've yeah, all been yeah. there. Right. And I, I got to find myself as a coach too. Like it can happen to us. Like we turn around and look, so like we have to keep our blinders on to keep our clients. Yeah. Right. Cause you start, you, you think your person looks great and you look back and you're like, shit. All right. Well, then you start thinking about, well, maybe they got, they got, they got these other shows lined up that they can get their pro card there. Cause they're probably not going to get it here. Yeah, man. It's, it's hard. Cause like you said, man, everybody looks great backstage. You know? Let's, let's talk about a couple of other things. Um, let's talk about urine testing. A, a lot of natural shows, they're going to either do urine testing. They're going to do some kind of a lie detector test, sometimes both. Um, you've dropped urine a ton because you've done a lot of natural shows and pro shows and stuff like that. Um, anything that you want to pass on to people about that and 
ex- how to not stress out about it. I, I don't, let's talk about lie detector tests. First of all, um, tell us what your shows do. And then if you have any examples or, or less stressful ways for people to go into that and understand exactly what that is, uh, talk about that. Yeah. So, uh, we do every, everybody before you compete has to do a polygraph. Um, um, I think the I think the polygraph's a, a fantastic thing. I know it's 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 especially in our sport, it's it's the a widely debated, right? Um, but it, it's a it's a massive uh it's another what a huge wall for us. And me as a coach, I've I've had many clients um over the years, probably 15 or so now that have bowed out of shows because they took something three years ago or ran mm-hmm. a small cycle four years ago or took this or took that and know they would fail that polygraph. Um so that's a it's a massive deterrent for and, and I, I've I've seen it work. Uh, multiple times and generally more often than not the more uh admissions it's or the more failures uh are, are often admissions rather than an actual failure on the machine it's generally we sit down we ask you questions or uh, the examiner would ask you those questions um and you your people come out and say oh well, actually i took this or i took that or or i'm using this and then you find out you're you're, you're not eligible to compete um but yeah everybody has to take a polygraph um and once you do pass a polygraph at, at our events uh, if you win a uh, the Pro card winners are urine tested. Um, any pro shows, if you win money, you are urine tested. On a three panel, uh, urine tested, testing for anabolics, uh, SARMs, uh, uh, testing for uh, diuretics now as well, which is which is uh, you know a very scary thing for for many. And, and oftentimes, I think many people don't even you know know they're taking know what they're doing. I, I think because you find some coaches or say, hey, take yep. this and take. We had a woman in the in the OCB uh, failed. Um, not long ago for, for diuretics and her coach was giving her diuretics and she didn't know she was taking a banned substance. So right. uh, be, care- be careful, be, be careful what you're taking. Um, if it's here, here's this bottle of stuff that doesn't have a label on it and drink it. And I, I'm personally not going to do that. Um, but um, be wary of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, um, the drug testing in our sport is, is uh, extremely important. I think we have two major pillars in our sport and it's drug testing and judging. Um, and if, if you have cracks in one of those pillars, I, what do we have now? Right. Um, I like I think, that. Uh, yeah, good. Yeah, the drug testing is super important for us. Yeah, it's. It, I, I like how you said that, man. Those those are two huge pillars. Um, I'm going to steal that. I'll give you credit for it, though. I'm going to I'm going to start saying that with some of my competitors. I I think with drug testing, people need to understand. Um, it's not. It, this is most of water tested, right? Like it was water testing. Like that's the standard. And you need to look on your federation's website and see, cause they've all got a ban list. Right. And if you don't know, do your due diligence and ask, cause people ask me all the time, you know, we have our hormone optimizer product, our natural test booster. And they say, Hey, is, is, is this waterproof? Can I take it? Like I, I compete naturally. And I always explain to them, it's a hundred percent. Okay. But never even take my word for it. Go look up every ingredient on the list and people need to do their due diligence. Um, don't always just take people's word for it because some things change, like things get added to the list, you know, maybe every year or two and something can get added. Like, uh, like seven keto DHEA got added. I don't know, back in like 2015 or 16. And I had some athletes that were taking it. I, I think, core made it at the time. Like, there's nothing wrong with the product, but all of a sudden it just came out of the blue. So like some people got grandfathered in, but you've got to do your due diligence and check that list. Always, always, always check it. And I know myself as a coach, I'm not going to check it for you. I'm going to make you check it. Like I'm not, you check everything that you're taking um, because we don't have the time to go do that. And it's not our job to check every supplement that you take. Yeah, exactly. 
is a supplement company owner, like I, all of ours are hundred percent good, but even then go, go check everything. Um, let's talk about doing multiple shows. And, and this is, this is a fun topic here. Um, and, and it's cool because you can answer this as a coach and a promoter as well. And an athlete, um, a lot of times you can do shows within the same organization. We're, we're going to talk about that. And then I want to talk about from a coaching standpoint, kind of like peaking and what people need to understand about doing multiple shows in the OCB, for example, let us know. I know in the NAMBF and IPE, there used to be, and it probably still this way. If you did shows two weeks apart, right? I think the polygraph would extend out for 30 days. I think they would let you, like if you did multiple shows, like maybe you did Des Moines, Iowa, and you did Liberty, like they're all a couple weeks apart, a week apart. You could use the same polygraph. Um, obviously the same federation fee is going to let you do all those shows. Is there any kind of crossover stuff with, with the OCB or, or other feds that you've competed in? Yeah. With the polygraph, um, OCB, uh, gets there, they're poly- for three weeks. So if you take a okay. polygraph, you can, you can compete again within three weeks and don't Perfect. have to take another one, which is nice. You know, save you, save you a few bucks and, and save yeah. you the time and stress of having to do it. Um, so that's very, very nice. Um, it, it, I really wish we could have some sort of, uh, you know, some coming together with some other organizations with polygraphs, but every organization's drug testing is a little bit different, right? What they're allowing, what they're not. So I kind of understand why, why we're, why uh, all the organizations aren't accepting all the, their, each other's polygraphs because everybody's just a little bit different with their testing, uh, what they allow, and what they don't allow. Um, but yeah, I've, I've competed uh, in, in many events where, you know, my polygraph is good from an, another show and, you know, it was kind of nice not to have to take another one. And like I said, save, save a few bucks, but every organization is a little bit different. Um, so I do think it is important to do a little research to, to know uh, what you're getting into. Because if you could say you compete in three different organizations that don't accept each other's polygraphs, and you know, now you're going to have three membership fees, three polygraph fees. So that, that's a, added, uh, a lot of added fees into your, into your contest prep that I don't think uh, many take into account when they start doing what we're doing, right? Yeah, it's um, it's nice to save a little bit of that money, um, especially if you can compete all within the same organization. You save, you know, federation fees and adjoining fees and all those different things. Um, it seems like these days most federations are allowing some pros to, pros to cross over. At least they were. Um, but I'm like you. I wish, and this is the word wish. I wish there could be a little bit more kind of coming together, like you pointed out earlier. Um, it's not for lack of trying. Um, it's just really hard when you've got different sets of standards and maybe even a little bit of ego. And that that's okay. Like it's, you don't see a lot of big companies coming together, period. Like you don't see a lot of crossover events and you just, it's just really, really hard. Um, and I think natural bodybuilding gets a little bit of a black eye. I think from people, especially like the MPC and IFBB, which I love it all. Like, I don't care. It's all bodybuilding to me. But it gets a little bit of a black eye because it can't all come together. But that's okay because you've got some really good organizations that stand on their own, like the OCB and the NAMBF and IPE. So there are plenty of shows out there to pick and and choose from. Let's talk about, um, all right, multiple shows, competing in multiple shows. I have clients that ask me all the time, hey, coach, like, are you going to be able, what if I do back-to-back shows? Like, how am I going to peak for that? Or, or how many shows is too many? What do you like to do as a coach? Whenever you get somebody lean enough, do you like them to, if they can? And there's a couple few shows right there within each other. Do you like to have them stack those and try and get as much meat off the bone as they can? Or what's, what's your approach? Absolutely. Um, 
I, I'm the same as uh, competing in multiple divisions in one show. I want you to take take advantage of your prep. Um, you're, they, we, you take a, a lot of work to get to this point, to get lean. You spend a lot of time, a lot of money to get here. So take advantage of it. You go and compete in one show, boom, it's over. And then you're like, well, now what do I do with my life? You know, it's right. like, what, what are, besides go eat. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I think it's super important for me um, to try to get people to take advantage of it and compete as much as possible while they're, while they're lean. Um, I think my, my last prep in 2019, I actually did six shows. I did four natural pro shows, competing in the MPC twice over the course of like two and a half months or something. Um, a few of them were back to back. Um, I, I've, I've done three shows in a row, back to back to back. I, I coached a guy um, 2021, I think I coached for you did four shows four weeks in a row. Um, if you were going to do that, you know, we plan that out ahead of time. And um, what I tell, and I think a lot, oftentimes people go and do a show and then they want to go out and go get the burger, the fries, the milkshakes and eat all the stuff after the show. Well, if you're competing again next week, we can't do that. Right. right. You're going to mess things up, especially dependent upon the person. Um, maybe we had a major carb load. What if we did a rapid backload and I gave you 1300 carbohydrates Friday and then on Saturday, you probably had another seven. So we, we're way over food already. And then you want to go out and eat on top of that and eat. And, you know, generally people go out and cheat and they eat a lot of fats, right? Which is your body's going to store all that way. It's waiting yeah. to get all those fats. So um, I, I really tell people like, we're, you know, we can't do that, you know, and then there's other folks that are, um, we're dieting through those shows. When I, in 2019, my first show was in, in March. My last one, I was, I was done dieting by the end of May, but I dieted straight through all, I mean, I dieted right through, I, I competed at the end of March. I dieted right through April, did multiple shows. That show that I won in Kentucky, we left there and drove to the gas station and I was weighing up chicken and heating, heating up a bag of frozen vegetables. That was my celebration meal. Like, you know, you kind of think if you're going to do that, um, you got to keep it together. You got to diet, oftentimes diet right through. Some folks can get away with some stuff, but that's not something that I'm, I like to risk. You know, I don't want to tell people, you know, just go out and enjoy yourself and have fun. Cause you're not going to look, you, we don't want the goals to always get better. Right. Or right. at least, at least stay, at least be what you were. We don't want to compete again next week and be worse. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think it's a great idea. I, I, it's super fun for me. I love it. And, and then as a coach, you know, you, you once you, you're peaking somebody, you're starting to gain a little more intel. We can peak yes. a, little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. So it's super fun for me to gain all that information. I've got tons of info, tons of pictures, tons of stuff I know about you now. And maybe we can try to get that a little bit better. So it's, it's a lot of fun for me. And then you get to see your clients compete multiple times. Another thing I tell people is, you know, what if you go and you compete, you put all your eggs in one basket and you really want to win this show and somebody shows up that's better than you. What are you going to do? Now you're going to wait two years to come back to redeem yourself. But if you have another show in two weeks, now we got another opportunity. Or maybe you win. Maybe you win your pro car. And now you could go compete as a pro in two weeks if you want. So many variables and so many things can happen. Um, so I always think it's really good to, to get uh, a few opportunities for yourself. I, I really like that. You said you, you get a lot more intel if people can do multiple shows, especially close together. I, I'm the same way. I can't tell you how many times I have had a client compete for the first time. And then the next week they have their second show. And I was able to see them on stage or see their pictures and I thought, okay, I can fill you out just a little more. We're going to go a little bit harder. I'm going to add more carbs to the pump up drink, a little more salt, and maybe some more that morning or so, whatever it is. And that's always Intel as a coach. And I always tell my clients too, send me pictures. If I do let them have a, some kind of a free meal, I always tell them exactly what it is. I'm like, don't just go out and eat like here, have this. 
and I want you to send me pictures on Sunday and I want to see if you look. And if you spilled over, that tells me that we got you, and but you were good on at the show. If you spilled over a little bit from maybe a burger and fries, I know we didn't have a lot of room. So I'm I'm always trying to collect intel, but I'm with you, man. If people are doing back-to-back shows or real close together or they're dieting and they still have to get leaner, there's no free meal. I will say I've got a little bit more lenient with if they go out to eat with their family, I will let them have something super simple, chicken, potato, and some steamed veggies, or maybe even just chicken and some steamed veggies. Like if it depends if they've had a bunch of stuff that day, as long as it's a very controlled meal, but it's never going to be like here, just go out and eat whatever the hell you want. Um, and I'm generally okay with that, but I used to not be, I'd be like, no, you better take your food in there and warm it up and and eat it with them. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's the sacrifice we make as bodybuilders. Um, flying, is that something that you've had to do? And what do you recommend for your clients if they're going to fly in and do a show? Cause a lot of people will fly in on a Friday and they need to get to registration and all those things. And I know there's a, there's a thing out there where people talk about, holding water when you fly. And I've got this theory and this concept that I don't think anything about flying makes people hold water. I think flying is stressful. And I think especially flying in the day of a show is, or the the day of registration is stressful. So cortisol is up and you you stay a little watery. Um, So I like to tell my people fly if they can fly at the closest, like on a Thursday, but what's your take on that? And have you flown as an athlete? Yeah, I I feel exactly the same. Um, It's just a stress of flying because you, I mean, I, I flew to Texas not long ago, and and I felt absolutely terrible. I just, I just the the stress of it. I just hate sitting around an airport, and you, it just sucks. Everything about it sucks, and your cortisol starts to rise. Yep. You start to wash out a little bit. So if you can fly on Thursday, yeah, you can. Now you're you're waking up in your in your hotel. You're super relaxed. You, you've got all the time in the world to get over to check in and. Maybe go see some stuff in your if you're in a town somewhere, so you know, a cool city, go see the ocean or go see the sightseeing or whatever, you know, enjoy yourself, whoever you're with, have some fun. But yeah, if you possibly can, I think it's a great idea to fly in the night before or the, the Thursday before, unless you're really used to flying and it doesn't really bother you anymore. Um, and you're and you're super comfortable with that. And, but me personally, I I'm kind of freaking out, like, what if I'm delayed? What if this happens? And, you know, and then I got to get to my car and rent a car and all this stuff. You're thinking about all these things. So it's for me, I would much prefer to be there that Thursday night just because I know myself and I'm going to stress about it. And that's something I talk with my clients as well about like if you're if you are going to be flying or what type of flyer are you? Do you stress a lot? Do you, you know, do you start to feel achy and from sitting around? And because um, then you're, you know, you're likely you're going to look's going to uh, be a little off. So if you can possibly get there a little early, um, definitely going to help you out. Yeah, the day of registration's kind of stressful anyway because you you've you've got tanning going on, you've got potential polygraph going on, um all those different things. It, let's talk one let's wrap that up with this. Registration. What are things that people need to make sure that they bring with them to registration um as a show promoter because I know there are times where some organizations want you to bring the suit so they make sure the cut's not too small. Um but is there anything that people need to know they need to bring with them to registration so they're not scrambling last second? I mean, be on time. That, yes. That would be, or early. That's it's, It sounds simple, but man, the last uh, in the fall, oh, man, like the one people were showing up 30 minutes late. It was, mm. it was a little frustrating. And it was like there were some people that I knew 
you know, and you don't want to just, so I, I had left and my partner stayed because I had to go out and start setting up the venue. My partner stayed to get people checking. So be early because, uh, you know, I, I think in the future, I'm probably going to leave. If you're, if you're not going to respect my time and not show up on, and be, be there uh, on time. So, um, but yeah, just be, being early. I'm trying to think about bringing stuff. I mean, an ID, especially if you're competing in the age class is super important. Do you have prescriptions? Cause you're going to have to bring uh, prescriptions and, and show your, uh, the polygraph because there's some there's a lot of stuff that's that's on the ban list so you may be prescribed but you can't just show up and say oh i take this and my doctor gives it to me and it's okay but you know they've got to um got to show those prescriptions to to the polygrapher and oftentimes some of this stuff i think it's extremely important to get ahead on that especially if you are taking something um i think a lot of folks here are, are you know different thyroid medications and different yep, type of that's the one i don't i don't know a lot about a lot of these medications just because I, I i just don't right i don't have any experience in it myself but if you're taking some stuff like that, I think it's very important to get ahead on that. You know, two, three weeks in advance, reach out to the promoters. Yes. Um, figure out who you need to talk to so you can get waivers for these things. Because if you're prescribed and you have a legitimate reasons for some of these things, you know, that's fine. But you need to show that to the polygraph because this is a drug tested event. And if someone, you know, that isn't prescribed for these things, it doesn't need these things and has taken those things, they likely will have an extreme advantage over you. Um, so it's very important to bring those uh, um, in early. And if you need to get a waiver for some of these things, to, to reach out to the promoters or people in the organization to get ahead on that as soon as possible. And that's also going to relieve a lot of stress from you as well. Instead of showing up show day like we had, it was once a, a gal showed up and just thought nothing of it. Um, but we were scrambling uh, last minute. I don't think she got approved to compete. And luckily, the uh, Sean Sullivan, the OCB board member that's in charge of all the drug testing there, luckily he was, you know, it's his Friday night. He's off work and he's doing all this. He's, you know, because he had to speak to her doctor over some, you know, I don't know the whole, the whole deal. It's not my, not my business. Right. But he had to speak to her doctor on the phone to, to make sure why is she prescribed this? What are her reasons to make sure it's just not, you know, oh, it's a lifestyle thing. You know, I want to make sure that you have a legitimate health reason that you do need that. And not just, you know, we're trying to make you feel a little bit better because you're a little bit older. Right. All of us would like to feel a little bit better, but all of us aren't taking those drugs. So right. get ahead of that stuff. Cause you might be screwed if that guy wasn't, you know, what if he was, out of town? What if he's on vacation? What if he was at a wedding or something, some family thing? What if he was sick? What if he just didn't see the email, wasn't looking at his computer or not? That gal wouldn't have been able to compete. And, and honestly, I, I had an email typed up because I was going to send it to her and tell her, like, we're sorry, you, know, you can't compete. And luckily, I was able to, we were able to get her um, in and, and, uh, and uh, get her, her waiver signed and get her able to compete. But yeah, man, she was super stressed out. That was really, really tough time for her. And I, I would, uh, so it's very, I talk as my clients as a coach, um, I talked to folks about leading up to that. If you have any prescriptions, you have anything, um, it's very important. Let's get ahead on that um, in, in, in any federation you're competing in because you don't want to be last minute for a lot of these things. So that's extremely important. Suits as well. I think oftentimes many will look at the suits. Um, majority of the times it's for women because I think a lot of women, especially these days, are really trying to get away with some really, really small suits. Um, I, I got to admit, I feel a little uncomfortable even talking about it, just being a male here. But it is very important to me, as I said earlier, to to make sure this is a, remains a family event and remains that uh, everyone uh, in the crowd is respecting these women on stage and not to turn this into something that, that it's not and keep it to the, the sport that it is. So that's very important too. You might want to bring your suit just in case if you need to get clarification on some of those things. Um, but otherwise I'm trying to think of anything else off the top of my head, but an ID for sure, if you're going to be in, uh, in age classes, um, but be on time, be on, be early if you can. Yeah, right? so that's what I'm saying. Early, you know, 
Yeah. And, and let's, and I know you got to get out cause you got to get a kiddo. Let me, let's, let's finish with this. What are the things that people need to know to bring day of the show? Because I like to recommend things like an extra meal, extra fluids, obviously your suit, a backup suit. If you can have it, is there anything that you can add there real quick while we just got a couple minutes left that people need to know to make sure to bring like stuff to pump up, et cetera. Yeah. I, I would say bring way more than needed. I'd rather be safe than sorry. Bring more, bring more than you need. And at the same time, it's kind of nice. What if your friend needs something? You know, yep, I exactly. always bring, I've got a huge tanning bag. I bring a bunch of rubber gloves, multiple cans of dream tan, um, got little rollers so I can help, you know, touch some people up if they need it. Um, but yeah, bring it, uh, uh, an extra suit just in case. I mean, maybe you have a suit malfunction, especially for women. Some of those connectors may break. No one's there to fix that stuff. You know, you're kind of, you're in trouble then. So if you do have a backup suit, that's great. And a backup suit, just in case if, if your friend, what if her suit malfunction? That's very nice to be, be helpful there. Um, bring in a towel. I think an old dirty towel so you can wipe, wipe off your yep. tan, your glaze and your sweat. If you're wearing, if you got dream tan, you know, bring in a, a towel. You probably might just want to throw away, bring in some, uh, some Dawn dish soap to help, you know, get that stuff off you. So it's kind of uncomfortable. You don't want to be sitting in that stuff all day. Um, most shows generally have a lot of stuff there to pump up. I know a lot of, uh, a lot of events don't bring uh, weights anymore. It's mostly just bands. Me, I want some dumbbells. I'm bringing dumbbells yeah. wherever I go. Even when I flew out to that show in Maine, I brought a set of 20 pound dumbbells with me. I didn't bring them back because I just didn't, I just left them there. I didn't care to bring them back, but I knew I wanted to have mine there. And I'll even shows where I've got clients and I'll bring a set of dumbbells, have them in my truck. I'll bring bands just in case if people don't have stuff. Because, you know, imagine if you have a big class of 20 people lined up, everyone's pumping up at the same time. They're not going to have much sitting back there for you. So better to be prepared and have your own stuff. Um, a lot of promoters are very good about that and have a lot of stuff, but I'd rather not leave that to chance myself. And I prefer to have my own stuff. And then it's nice. We can be back in our corner doing our thing. We don't need to go and be in the crowd with 20 yep. other people over there. Um, extra water, extra food, extra salt. Just bring in as much. Just bring extra stuff. Whatever yeah. you think you need bring a little bit more because you may need it or somebody else may need it. One of your friends, which is very nice to be able to help people out as well. You know, I real quick, I will end with a story. I was in Liberty. I think it was 2014 and there was a guy pumping up backstage. He was a kid at the time. His name's Matt Beck. Good kid. Great physique. And he was pumping up. He didn't have much water. He didn't have any salt. Like he, he was just trying to figure it out. Right. He didn't have anybody to help him. And he saw my people drinking salt and Gatorade and all that time mixed up in like this big concoction. And he was like, man, I just never can figure this out. And I didn't have anything extra with me, but I had a soy sauce packet because I'm, I'm a fatty. Right. So like I kept some soy sauce for my chicken and rice. And I said, dude, all I have is this packet of soy sauce and, and I've got some, some gator or some glucose or something he could put in his drink. I'm like, you've got to trust me right now. He took that soy sauce packet, put it in his mouth. And you can imagine that was horrible squeezed it, had it. And he started drinking like 16 ounces of, of just glucose and water. It didn't even taste good. Right. It's just like sweet water. And his body came to life because he had had all those carbs in him. He pumped up and he went out there and he did well. And all the judges knew him and they're like, dude, this is the best you've ever looked. And that was a 20 minute transformation. And I was able to help that young guy out as a coach. I didn't have anybody in his class. I don't care. Like, I'm just going to help somebody. He went on to hire me after that. He got with me the next year. He's like, dude, thank you. So he hired me. He went on to win his pro card, worked with his wife. She won her pro card. So 
it's the little things when you can help people out, don't do it in a sense to try and get it to come back to you, but sometimes it just organically comes back to you. So you can make friends back show at stages. You can get clients. I you know, don't look at it that way, but always have extra. I guess that's kind of the point of, uh, of, of everything. I, w- I want to let everybody know, dude, you've been a great guest. We need to have you on the, we need to talk about a whole host of different things. You know, we'll have you on. I want to have like a fat muscle coaches round table with like you, Pete and Cliff and others. And like, we can do a huge Q and a, but guys check out Brian, all of his information, got his email in the show notes, got all the links to his next show coming up. Brian, we really appreciate you, man. We're going to go ahead and get on out of here. Is there anything else that you want to end with before we take off? Nah, man, this was great. Thank you very much. I had a lot of fun. I, I could just sit here and talk about this stuff all day. So it's super fun for me. Thank you. Yeah, me too. For myself and Brian, we're out of here. See you guys.